Hello everybody and welcome back to another video and today's video is actually going to be quite interesting as today I'm joined by lots of guests firstly starting off with Talking Tube also known as Galifane. Hello my friend. Hi Gavanen. And also I'm joined by Nicoline Bangan also known as Nikki. How are you? And also joined by two Lord Rings on Prime Reddit users. The first one is Mr. Penguin Poppins. Hello there. <laughs> and the last one is another, he's making a second appearance on the channel, and that is Hen. Say hello, my friend. Hi. Hi. So, in today's video, we're going to be discussing what events we could see in the upcoming Amazon Lord Rings TV series. And also, during the second part of this series, we're going to be discussing the recent news that actually came out on Monday, I believe, or Tuesday. So, it's going to be over a two part video and kind of like a podcast slash discussion so we're going to be of course as i said before discussing the main of uh, main events and things that we that amazon could portray in the show and how they could actually portray it. because since january last year or basically last year when they showcased the maps we still haven't received anything that's been majorly be able to make us decide what's actually happening in the show so me and all my friends today are going to be actually helping us we're helping me and hopefully all of you at home have a better idea of what we could be seeing in the show and so firstly we're going to start off with is the just we're going to start off with different places and the first one is Erigion so Erigion is so who would like who would like to start with Erigion as it is actually quite an interesting place so I know for firstly Ken you've said um We've had your opinion is that um the show is going to start around the Forge of the Rings and of course Erigion has a, is heavily affected within that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, uh, well, yeah, Erigion is Erigion is basically the center. If the show is to focus about the forging of the rings, then Erigion would be the main plot. Um. When we first saw the map, um, the most suspicious element was the inclusion of Numenor, of course. But Erigion is also there. And I think if the show is to take, to take place in that time, it would be the central plot rather than what's happening in Numenor. And, you know, that's interesting. It, it, it has a lot of options. Like, we've never seen really elves in their prime. It would be interesting to see. And you know, um, and they have a relationship with the Moria dwarves. They've got a obviously some kind of relationship with the Linden elves, the Lorien elves. It's kind of like Kingdom of Heaven, but with with elves. Yeah. So and yeah. we could be a really heavy inclusion with the show. And also, Mister Penguin Poppins, how do you think? How influential do you think um, a region will be in in the events of in the show? Well, the events in Erigion are the, it's, it's the prime setting of the show. It's the stage where ever, everything else in the Second Age revolves around in that early epoch. And then, of course, casts a large shadow on the events of the end of the age, the downfall of Numenor, the uh, events of the Third Age, because this is where everything got started. And as for how it should be depicted, uh, honestly, I think it should be different than every you know assuming they're playing in the uh 
were in the world as created and designed and made a cultural icon by the Jackson movies. I want it to look different than anything else that we've ever seen. Uh, yeah, correct. You know, you guys can uh, call me out for the pronunciation because I rarely share my Tolkien knowledge out out loud. But it, this should be uh, representative of the Noldor all the way. Uh, it should be different from Rivendell. It should be different from Lorien and the Woodland realm in, in Mirkwood. Uh, I think it should be a little bit more technological focused. Uh, you see that friendliness with the dwarves. Uh, the those elves should be more mannish, if that makes sense. Uh, they're fueled mm. by pride and ambition. Uh, they'd have a thirst and a hunger for knowledge. Uh, the elves in the Lord of the Rings movie kind of have a bit of a far eastern kind of mystique to them. Uh, for example, the Japanese Garden of Ordered Nature. These guys would be the ones who'd say, you know what? Let that tree is in my way. Let me chop it down, and I could plant a different tree over there. Uh, nature is a resource for them to be used rather than something that you build your life around, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you that know. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I expect Linden to be a kind of a blend of Noldor and Sindar culture, kind of looking like a little bit like we saw in Rivendell and the movies, but of course in its prime as opposed to the ruin at the end of Return of the King. Yeah. And um, Nikki, so I know you touched upon about before about um, seeing Lyndon in the show and seeing how do you think um, Amazon should take on representing Lyndon and what events from Lyndon could we see in the show? Well, um, uh, it might be a little bit of a controversial um, uh, thought. <laughs> um, as many have said, not much is happening in the first, uh, in the first few years of um, the Second Age. But um, in Linden, we actually have Galadriel, we have Celeborn, we have Elrond, we have Gilgalad, we have, Ce we have Celebrimbor, and we have Cerdun. I don't know how to say that correctly. But at the very start, they're all there together, which is, I believe, essential for establishing um, the knowledge for people who don't really uh, have read much of Tolkien's um, writings. Um, and establishing the characters and then potentially following their journey throughout Middle-earth to where they all end up, Elrond in Rivendell, Galadriel and Celeborn in Lost Glorian. And I think that is quite relevant for the show. And I also think um, the establishment of Numenor will be relevant for the show because it, it, Numenor is such a big part of the Second Age that I think it's, I think we deserve to see how it came to be um but then there's the question of the time jumps and everything and how that would work out so i'm of course open to discussion here <laughs> well you I, i'm i'm personally in favor of them showing the scope and scale of the second age this is a 2000 year conflict uh you know from let's just from the forging of the rings to the first downfall of Sauron, you know, at the hands of the last alliance. Yeah. But just because, uh, you know, we, I would say the ideal setting of the show should be that era of the for forging of the rings. But, you know, that's not to say that you can't have flashbacks to mm. the, you know, to Galadriel and Gilgalad uh, when Gilgalad is crowned. I've always maintained that uh, Galadriel in Tolkien's latest writings kind of, uh, 
was kind of a Mary Sue. I'd say, mm -hmm. let's scale her back some. Let's make, you know, sure she is still great, but let's give her a bit of a pro a bit of pride, a bit of arrogance. I mean, this is someone who, if offered the ruling ring at this point in the second age, would say, hell yeah, I can take this and I can, you know, become a great and powerful queen without acknowledging the prospect of her becoming a terrible and dark queen like she does at the end of the third. Mm -hmm. So I want her to think, why am I not high queen of the of the elves? I'm mm -hmm. a child of Finarfin. I saw the tr two trees in bloom. Gilgalad, yeah, he's 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 okay and all, but I'm better than he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd expect to see flashbacks to that, flashbacks to the founding of Numenor, flashbacks to all sorts of relevant events that can, you know, build these characters and see what makes them tick. And, you know, of course, I want to see the elvish immortal perspective, uh, which is something that we haven't really seen on screen anywhere. Most of the mm -hmm. time we see immortals, they just behave like normal human beings who just happen to live forever rather than, you know, having a perspective of time where, and, you know, everything is just ever repeating ripples on the surface of the pond you know, yeah the i was thinking i was thinking more of a like the flashbacks would be to the first age like the kin slayings and all of the traumatized because a lot of these elves have they, they didn't just spontaneously appear in the second age they have existed before then they have gone through a lot so i was mm -hmm. sort of hoping and feeling and thinking that maybe they could have flashbacks to that and start off early in the second age because they're ideally going to drag this on for a long time um and then do what they do in the lord of the rings with like the 50 years where frodo has the ring and then he doesn't do anything is actually just 10 minutes of the or five minutes of the movie that that, that was my thought <laughs> yeah um i'm all in favor of flashbacks and i think that's one of the great things about this franchise it does incorporate flashbacks and flash forwards and all that kind of stuff it doesn't shy away from that so that's certainly an option and although we know they're not gonna like depict the first age because of i think it's the agreement with the Tolkien estate i'm pretty sure they could like weave in little things so yeah mm. absolutely um, memories or just feelings like they they have a lot of anger in them they have a lot of issues <laughs> with each other that's not resolved yet Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Galadriel is going to be a very interesting character because um, I believe while I was watching one of your videos, uh, Fellowship of Fans, um, you you said that um, Galadriel is going to have somewhat of an action role. So um, that's not too present in the book, but that would sort of fit in with her pride. Um, it might true. be that she's putting herself in dangerous uh, situations or anything like that. And also... Um, now, this wasn't in the Second Age, of course, um, but uh, we know Galadriel's a little bit ashamed of what Feanor did, uh, like the kinslaying. Um, she did not want to tell Melion about it. Um, so I think Galadriel can also be a really, really cool character. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. And the whole, the whole premise, yeah. The, the whole premise of this, why I use the Kingdom of Heaven type of equation, is because um, not only is this thousands of years before the movies, but it, it's actually a different narrative. Like, both movie trilogies 
have been quests of some kind. This isn't a quest. There is no really any quest type narrative in the Second Age. It's all kind of politics, really. Um, and, you know, Galadriel being a bit prideful, you know, a bit. Uh, a bit ashamed if that's if that be the case, and of course her relationship with Kalimbrimbor as well. Um, all of that would lend into this beautifully. Yeah, yeah absolutely works. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I sort of disagree with the whole uh, no quest thing because I feel like there's lots of quests here. Like there's the the forging of the rings and all of that, and finally beating Sauron. Um, but there's like each individual character in this show is going to have an individual quest like yeah i mean quest in the sense of like you know going from one place to another you know set pieces along the way that's that's all yeah yeah they're not all going to be together at any given time like um and doing the same thing they're not going to do that i don't think we'll see much of that but we might see new fictional characters join in one of our lead characters on their quest well, I've long said that, uh, well, I think when we commonly use Quest, we primarily use it in terms of small band of people set out on a journey with a goal in mind, whereas expect this show to be more of somewhat of a uh, uh, kind of a little bit of a political drama. You've got warfare, you've got massive wars uh, involved. Uh, so, you know, can, it, I expect this to be very different from the movies as we've seen but you do raise an interesting point which is the invented characters uh we're going to you know we have the names of the essentially the high lords and leaders of all the factions uh expect to see you know other members of the ringsmiths and one of you guys can tell me how to actually pronounce that word because i'm not even going to attempt it uh you know aside from just uh uh i'd expect to see uh, sub-generals and other lords under the Numenorian kings. Hell, I wouldn't, if Sauron is a actual character on screen, which by all means he should be, I'm almost wondering if it would make sense to invent a, you know, couple of other sub-lieutenants under him, because uh, this would predate the Nazgul. So who mm. would be those bad guys under him? Uh, early on, I had an idea for other lesser surviving Maya of um, Melkor to be fighting, to be along with him. They raise a very interesting uh, point there and seeing all these maybe potentially characters that may have been in Tolkien's work, but he didn't directly maybe not mention them. So, and then Amazon could use that to actually um, bring up these characters. But one character that I know, um, Mr. Pingo just said he doesn't find the best thing, his name is actually Kelebimbo. And Galifin, how influential do you think Celebrimbo will be in the show, maybe the first few seasons and how and what events he is in, which could be heavily shown? I think he is going to be the main focus of probably one of the seasons, um, because we know that each season is going to be somewhat individual uh, because of the titles. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to see how Celebrimbo plays out. Um, I'm assuming he will probably be the protagonist. Um, a lot of people nowadays see him as the the bad dude, but I mean, he was really a victim of Sauron. Um, so yeah, I think he wasn't it really a is bad guy. Be. Yeah, yeah not and a tragic like, um, figure. Yeah, a video I might be making soon is actually on uh, the Lord of the Rings game called Shadow of War, and 
in that game, he is essentially spoiler here. Just skip ahead if you're watching this in the video. Um, he's essentially the bad guy. So I think a lot of people think Celebrimbor were just like Isildur. They're like the evil guys, the super corrupt evil guys. But um, I think he's gonna end up playing the protagonist or the victim in the story. I I kind of want to go back to um, Sauron because I think we know he's gonna be in the show, and we we also know who which actor is gonna play him based on what they've been saying and the IMDb Pro and all of that. At least it's almost certain. Um, I think we might see him as sort of like a Strider character in the beginning. Like he'll be he'll be um, by himself, but he'll be very flattering. You know, he'll be Anatar. He'll be very charming and he'll sort of creep around by himself in the beginning and then after a while once he's established himself as the bad guy as Sauron as Anatar then we'll see more of his um subordinates more of his um um evil helpers put it that way yeah 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 this is a bit different but um I was reading the Silmarillion recently and uh in the book Sauron actually comes sort of close to repenting um, we don't know whether it was like true repentance. Um, he comes very, very close to repenting, but he did not. Um, and I think Sauron could really be the character that the entire series revolves around because he's, after all, the main antagonist. And um, mm -hmm. it would really make the series, the entire series, pretty interesting if it was sort of about the antagonist or at least the antagonist's effects on all of Middle Earth. I, I want to that to. To tack on to that thought, I uh, wrote a note here. So uh, look to, I know this will get a lot, get an eye rolls from some of you here, uh, but you know, kind of look to kind of what Marvel did with the, the character Thanos as an example. I mean, okay. he was a villain who earnestly believes he was right. So uh, I would say, you know, Sauron should, yeah, he's seductive. He's definitely manipulative, but make him be earnest. I mean, I want him to be a guy who really believes that he needs to rule over Middle-earth so it can be run right and run correctly and reduce all that waste and inefficiency that he hates. So I think it would be interesting if that line that I, one of you guys can help me out and tell me if, whether it's in the Unfinished Tales or the Cimmerillion, where he basically says to the ringsmiths, hey, we can make Middle-earth as beautiful as the Undying Lands, and that's more than just an empty promise. Uh, what if he actually thought he could believe that? And to him, making Middle Earth as beautiful as the Undying Lands is also a way for him to flip the bird to the Valar, you know, across the seas. Well, it is television. Um, I mean, for for this to actually work, they have to make Sauron sort of so that the viewer feels conflicted watching him. They can't fully hate him. They can't fully love him. They don't know exactly, can't pinpoint exactly what it is. He's going to have to be... Um, everything at once is going to have to be appealing. You're going to have to feel for him as well. Um, otherwise, he's not going to work as a character at all. Like people are just going to hate him, and that's that's not good television. Now that's all assuming that we, the audience, will know. I mean, the non-Tolkien knowing audience will yes. know that Anatar is Sauron because of course. Really don't know. They can play it one of two ways. They could reveal who he is and who, what his motivations are quite early, which is a very perfectly sound choice. You know, it's kind of like Hitchcock type thing. Or they could uh, keep it a secret 
for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that would be very interesting, actually. I like that idea. I would well, actually enjoy that more, I think. I, I, I hear you and I agree. But the problem with making his identity a secret is the, you know, everyone can, as soon as he says, hey, Calibrimor, what if we make some magic rings that can solve all your problems? The light yeah, bulb will go off kind of out and of the bag. Say, that's Sauron. You know, you can't yeah. push off that big reveal until you hear will it <laughs> And And also, like, a lot of fans will probably spoil it for other people as well. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there are a lot of fans. Will it, though? Because I'm thinking, like, casual fans, like people who maybe, like, remember, vaguely remember the prologue to the Fellowship of the Ring. Like, well, that really explains the whole forging of the rings very, very, very quickly. And so you don't really know who started forging Enterprise. And so the idea that, you know, all they know is that Sauron made the one ring. And so the idea that forging of the rings itself would spoil his identity for the casual fan, I don't know. But I, I really don't know how they'll play. They can do a one or two ways can do it halfway in the sense that they would reveal who he is um, before he makes the one ring, but not so early that it's, like, obvious. Um, so it's... I don't know. I really have no idea. It's it's the big conundrum of the show for me, that. You, you, you do raise a good point, because uh, the, the prologue, it does touch on the rings, uh, but it doesn't really dive into the purpose, and memory serves that kind of treats the rings as they were all intended as to be tools of governance, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but we know that, hey, if you've read the books, well, not that the core bit really touches on that, but unfinished tales uh, of the rings of power in the third age really break down the purpose of the rings as the elves were panicking. They wanted to stop from fading. They wanted to stop from, they wanted to, uh, stop the slow entropy of uh, Middle Earth, and then, and of course, they didn't. Many of them weren't quite ready to go back to the Undying Lands and to uh, basically repent of their early rebellion. So mm -hmm. that's how Sauron was able to weasel his way in. It's I, a I wonderful hope... piece of internal conflict. It's great. Yes. I, I I hope to God that they use that Elvish motivation for the rings, and uh, rather than just treat them kind of like the movies did, which. Granted, the purpose of all, all, all the other rings didn't really matter within the context of the Lord of the Rings narrative. All that mattered was establishing the threat of Sauron and the One Ring. Yeah, they only they only explained it as quickly as they did because they needed to explain it quickly. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Uh, do you guys think that um, a lot of the Numenorean timeline will revolve around... Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this wrong. Um, Arfarason, Farathon, um, you know, the king of Numenor. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like I want to see the whole history of Numenor, but that is where the turning point is for the Numenorians. That is where shit really hits the fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's where things start going really wrong. And that's where Numenor and um, Sauron sort of intertwine. Yeah. But, I kind but of feel I like that's a very relevant storyline. It's a relevant storyline, but there are things happening in Numenor earlier as well. So yeah. there are events in Numenor that are concurrent with the forging timeline that are also interesting. And it's a kind of, it's a theme that we've had in this franchise before of 
populationism versus um, what I don't know globalism um, and in interventionism. Like, uh, we yeah, in the sense are, that like uh, together. yeah, the Numenorean queen doesn't want to intervene and help the elves, and it's that sort of thing, and that's interesting in its own right. We um, we know that Amazon has the has the option for a spinoff. And I don't know enough about these sort of deals to know if that's kind of a standard thing that everyone does when they're acquiring the rights to um, franchise or material. I expect someone who's more knowledgeable to talk about that and uh, to address that in the comments. But let's just assume that our, well, let's start with the assumption that we're correct. They're focusing on that earlier epoch, the forging of the rings and leading ending with Sauron's first defeat and being driven out of uh, driven out of the northwest corner of Middle Earth. Uh, I mean, why not use the you know the tale of Alderian Alderion and Arindus in this time period? You just with a little bit of modification, mm -hmm. I think it fits the setting. Uh, you just instead of you know being adventurism versus staying at home, you have isolationism versus interventionism, along with the astute observation of Arindus that hey, you, you don't just want to get involved to, so you can help the elves. You're also bored as hell. Uh, you're bored with peace and prosperity, and you want to go out and have an adventure like your, you know, great ancestor uh, Tour and Hor and Arendelle and so forth which I think is a correct observation about the middle attitude of mankind in general. And it can also serve as a little bit, of, you know, and it's been well noted that it's long been, you know, very feminist uh, perspective, for, uh, at least on the part of uh, Arendus. Yeah, I love the story of Eldarion and Arendus. And if I was writing it, I certainly would you know, collapse the timeline so that it happens at the same time, the forging. Don't quite know if Amazon will do this though. I hope, like, it's a good idea, but I don't know if they will go that way. Oh, true. So, we know so far that Anatole played an important part in the show as a whole, and we've touched upon that he might be Amazon might use him as a main antagonist, but there's lots of events that he's actually been in, for example, the Forging of the Rings. And also, what I want to touch on for a bit is his um, relationship with Celebrimbor. And even though we know that Celebrimbor didn't actually trust Anata that much, but that actually the region, how, how do I say, the region, um, well, um, Celebrimbor's, um, well, not ringmakers, but craftsmen actually, um, and people in the region actually did um, believe Anata and was actually cast under his illumination. So, how do you think the the relationship between Celebrimbor and Sauron could be like portrayed throughout the show? As I believe that it could be really, really key seeing their um, partnership. I think I personally think uh, Celebrimbor should be someone who wholeheartedly trusts Sauron. You know, because he not only invites a man, he also rebels against Galadriel. I mean, and you don't, if, you know, I can't imagine him distrusting Anatar yet uh, rebelling against Galadriel of his own volition. So I kind of have to disagree with your assertion there. I feel like yeah. it will be a friendship, like it will be a growing friendship, but you'll always question whether it's
sorry, uh, manipulation uh, involved? I think you might. Uh, Celeborn Kel- also made the three elven rings behind Sauron's back, so it could be that he um, trusted him enough to make the lesser rings, but um, this didn't quite trust him enough uh, to uh, let him assist him in the making of the elven rings. So he might not really have trusted him all that much. So he pro- he probably did trust him. He was probably just a little bit suspicious still. So I think that will also be really interesting to see how that plays out. And well, I, I think see. I think I think it would be pretty central to show. I think that Kilabrimbor he is the tragic hero, and uh, one that's interesting, and B that's re- it, it it's at the center of the of the story. So I think getting Kilabrimbor and and his relationship with Anatar right is like. The central thing that this show has to do right. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I would I wouldn't concern maybe too strong of a word, but you know, if Tolkien uses the word, he seduced them, and I think mm. it's very easy for us to attach sexual tones to that. And I certainly hope they don't go in that direction. Uh, yeah. For me, just the really sexual seductive villain worming his way in it just strikes me as incredibly cheesy i'd much prefer sauron to be especially as anatar be incredibly charismatic and you hear this guy and you think you know what i don't i don't necessarily know if i trust this guy but i like what he says i mean galadriel gilgalad they rejected him but we know that in the end they still accepted those rings of power when they were given to them. And uh, they used those all throughout the third age. So they definitely liked his message, even if they distrusted the messenger. Yeah. yeah. So should we, let's move on to probably near the end of the show. What do you guys, should we start with Hen and think, what do you think the last event of the show could be? I think the show will really climax with the Battle of the Guathlo River the big battle in which Sauron is driven out of Eriador. Um, I think that's a good climax point. Um, so, yeah. I, I think um, Last Alliance and, and the big battle, I think, I think it will end there. I'm going to have to back up, Hen. Uh, I think that there is too much you know because right now we know that they have five seasons i think there's just too much going on in the second age to start here then wrap up with the uh last alliance but i like the concept of the battle of the guathlo because if there is a spin-off show which in my head i envision as a sequel uh, it's a great place to end because sauron is defeated he is driven back, but he is not defeated. He's still a threat. You have the elves recovering. Uh, Sauron's rec- reclaimed uh, 16 of those, uh, the rings of power. And he's also just got his ass kicked, excuse me, by the Numenorians and realizing how strong these guys are. And at the same time, you also have the Numenorians who realize, hey, we are strong, we're powerful, and while they're not no, quite no. thinking Middle Earth is right for the taking, we're better than everyone. You have the beginnings of the that thought process taking root, which will of course come full bloom. And later, when you see Imperial Numenor, that is scarcely different than Sauron. You know, by the time of 
R for Armstrong and the the Great Armada is what he launched against the West. So whatever you want to call the Armada, he sends against Mordor later. Yeah, and so Galifrey, what do you think? How do you think they sh uh, Amazon should actually cope with the idea of showing Numenor this vast island? How to portray it through five seasons? And what events from Numenor do you think we could see within these apparent five seasons so far? As we, we know, there could be a spin-off and there may be more seasons maybe as well. That's something really interesting to think about because uh, we know that the elves are going to be a big part of the series. So it's going to be really, really hard to imagine how you can have men like the men of Numenor on one hand and then the elves. And I don't know how they're going to... Um, keep both of those two kingdoms in the main focus at once. So what I think it might be is that like the first season begins with Numenor. So it could, uh, I don't know, begin with even the making of Numenor. Um, it's unlikely, but it could be that. Uh, but I would imagine Numenor is going to be sort of a recurring theme. So it might dance around between Numenor, Erigian, and whatever other places uh, they're going to explore. I, I remember thinking uh, sometime earlier, because I'm, I wasn't a very avid fan, but how many plot threads did like Game of Thrones juggle at once, at, you know, at the most? Yeah, well, it's quite a lot. So um, it's, uh, it's doable. It's doable. But I, I, I am going to have to disagree with the Numenor being the start, considering all of the cast that's been announced, apart from a few of them, are going to be elves. Most likely, like one of them is Galadriel, one of them is clearly going to be Elrond because the actor that was originally chosen to be him looks exactly like, um, uh, what's his name? The, yeah, Hugo Weaving. Um, and he was also announced to be Elrond at the start. And he's announced, he was announced to be the lead of the entire, at least the first season. So I'm thinking they're going to start focusing on the elves. And I also want to say on that, the cast is so young. The, uh, the, the, the people that are going to play the elves are so young. And if Galadriel's daughter is going to be in the show, that's going to have to be later because it doesn't make sense that she already has a child when she looks like a child herself. It just, I, I just can't, it doesn't add up in my head. That's why I feel like the show should start earlier in the years. Well, uh, as far as the perspective of the cast age and how they look, uh, it's just funny how. I think that uh, now as I'm hitting my mid-30s and I look at people look at people in their 20s and I think they all look like babies to me. So, you know, it could just all be relative. Yeah, yeah. But, I, uh, think, something... I think it's possible, it's possible to, do, to do a relatively young cast and still not make it feel too kind of teenager-y. It is possible to do that. That's why I keep referencing Kingdom of Heaven because the cast in that one is pretty young as well. And so, and they don't feel like babies in any way, still. True, um, but it, it still wouldn't make sense to use two actors around the same age as one is the mother and one is the daughter. You can say that they're elves, but at the same time, it still doesn't um, make sense. Well, I mean, the Numenor and Legolas, though. Uh, true. Yeah. Well, they were I mean, pretty close. In, <laughs> That's in, true. In, in universe, let's consider the Numenorans. They age and mature at the same rate as we do yeah uh you know basically you know from childhood or excuse me from being an infant to 
an adult may take any, you know, the same 20, 18, 25 years, whatever you consider to be the age of majority. And the only, the only difference is the rest of their 20s, 30s, and 40s, as we think of them, are centuries rather than just mere decades. So you could have a father and a son passed by playing, played by people that are precisely the same age. The only difference in their show, one of them is a century older than the other guy. So that's a very good in, point. And in, 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 in universe, it can work. I concur. I concur. That's a hundred percent. That's very a very good point. <laughs> yeah, but but, but, but the family of Galadriel is is a is a, is an issue, I think, because it, like she has husband and a daughter, and like how do you, I don't know? It's just kind of weird for a leading lady. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure they'll do like some kind. They'll play the relationship with Kelleborn is somewhat not entirely harmonious i'm sure like they'll have arguments and things along the way so let's not forget kind of makes sense yeah. uh, well Kel Brimbor did have a serious crush on galadriel so you know, in one version of the story yes yes yeah. i mean i would expect them to pull elements from the various different of the versions that match with the story they want to tell or otherwise just kind of disregard it entirely you know if yeah, the Tolkien estate approves it. Okay, so moving on now, how do you guys believe the sacking of Eregion could be presented within the show? And I know I'll start with Penguin Poppins here, so how do you believe that Amazon could show this? Uh, I see that as a bit of a siege, of course. Uh, you know, as weird as it sounds, why don't they look towards the... I don't uh, say the Battle of the Pelennor Fields from the movie, but kind of, you know, twist it, subvert it a little bit, and that the reinforcements don't come or they come too late. Uh, you know, as the the way the pace of the battle goes, I don't. I mean, I'm sure it will be well filmed, well acted. I guess uh, I'm more interested in how it fits into the course of the season. Uh, and of course, I feel like that's the emotional height because that represents the end of Celebrimbor's arc. You know, he goes from hope to the greatest of hope, and we're seeing the problem facing the elves to realizing they've been betrayed. And he's viewed, probably should be viewed as something as a pariah among all the other elves for what he did. So this is his last stand and his chance at redemption and death only to be captured and tortured to death. And so, you know, I, uh, you know, the battle. Like I said, I expect it to be well done, uh, but I don't really have too many detailed thoughts on what it should look like. It will probably be, you know, a season finale somewhere in there, though. Scream season finale. Yeah, for sure. And also, I would like to say, for Galifane, um, so we know that there's going to be so many different events what you think could be the main overarching event during the Second Age? Because I know there's not... Maybe... Do you think Anatar could be this one overarching thing from Season 1 all the way to Season 5? And they could, along with Elrond or Galadriel, potentially. So how do you think what major thing or major character could we see throughout all the seasons? It will be Anatar or Sauron. Because, um... I... Now, this is, um... I can't say and be sure about this, but um, throughout the Second Age, you know, he's the main antagonist. So everything else, um, like there's many Numenorean kings who are born and die. 
and many other events happen, but I feel like Sauron and I guess Galadriel and uh, Celebrimbor are like the main uh, characters that are there pretty much throughout the uh, whole Second Age. So I think it will probably be Sauron who is sort of the one character that everything else revolves around. But it could also be another character like Galadriel. But the issue is, if Galadriel is the main character, then how are they going to incorporate Numenor in this series as um, as much as they do the elves? And also something else that I think is really interesting is that um, we know for sure that they're including villagers, quote-unquote villagers. So um, I think those villagers are the Numenorians. Uh, because when you think of elves, you typically don't think of villagers. You think of the immortal, beautiful, graceful beings that elves are. So um, we know that Numenor is going to definitely have a big role to play in this story. And we know that villagers will, whatever they are, whether they're um, the mid of Middle-earth or the Numenorians, low-down Numenorians, not like the kings and uh, kings and knights. Uh, but I think Sauron is... Is probably going to be the one thing that everything else revolves around. Um, like the making of the rings, that's a huge, huge event in the Second Age. Probably the single biggest event. And it was uh, Sauron who incited that event. And same with the sinking of Numenor and um, the giving of the elven rings is um, something that the elves did, of course, to sort of evade uh, Sauron's dominating moves so yet again even this the big things that the elves do is still sort of related to what sauron does uh not to mention the shutting of moria um early in the second age and um another thing that i think would be really interesting is if amazon tries to show sauron uh not only as sort of the biggest the main character but if they also show his quest to reclaim the Seven Dwarven Rings, because we know for a fact that he did reclaim, um, I believe it was four of them. It might have been three of them. Uh, so I hope that they can show that in some way. And um, it could be, like y'all said earlier, um, Sauron does have in his service Lesser Maiar. So it could be like a Lesser Balrog, a Lesser Dragon, something like that, that he uses to either destroy the Dwarven Rings or reclaim them. Yeah. Uh, uh, just chiming in on those dwarven rings, what I think would be interesting is just showing Sauron, even still, even after his facade has been dropped, he's still manipulative as hell. He reclaims 16 of those rings, and what does he immediately do? I think would be great if he then turns around to the dwarves of Moria. Uh, is Are they ruled by one of the Durans at that time? or is uh, Bring the third, I think. Yeah, okay, Durin yeah. the, Thor, the third. And if he yeah, turns to him and says, I'm sorry you guys had to get mixed up in this uh, dra drama between the elves and myself as a, you know, take this ring of power as, you know, like a wear guild for the dwarves who were slain, uh, you know, improperly or because he had to get involved in this. You know, if he was the one, because I know that the dwarven tradition states that uh, that Tolkien wrote says they claim that they received it from Celebrimbor. No, but if we know the purpose of why no. the rings were made. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, so I think it would just be a great way to show him distributing the rings and still being a manipulative bastard. Yeah, I definitely agree that Sauron will be probably mm. one of the biggest constants all the way through the um, mm. seasons. Um, and probably also Galadriel and Elrond and, and all of the 
sort of main characters there. I think we'll see a lot more change in the Numenorean aspect of things because the elves, well, they they live longer. Um, But we'll see new things happening over in Numenor uh, more often. Uh, and new, maybe new main characters to follow over there while we'll have the constants of the elves and Sauron. Um, I think we need to like consider the the number of possible plot threads because we have a region, we have a region, we have Linden, we possibly could have Lothlorien, I don't know. Um, we have Numenor, but there's also a Numenorian colony at this time. Um, on there, and they're kind of, you know, mixed up with the Lurf natives, and they have, you know, a kind of colonialist thing going on. So that could definitely be another subplot that would involve those villages. And there's the dwarves in Moria. Um, and so it could be, it could be juggling quite a few pots at the same time. Um, I really do hope that they include the dwarves of Moria because, um, in the Hobbit, the dwarves weren't portrayed very well. They were pretty much foolish and really, really just—I don't know—they were foolish and they just weren't wise at all. Like uh, Dane Ironfoot was. They were just pretty much big hunks of meat that hairy, ate all the food. They were all drunken, yeah. hairy Scottish Scotsmen. Isn't that yeah? So isn't I feel that like already a given though, with the the connection of the elves and and the dwarves leading to them obtaining the knowledge that helps them forge the rings in the first place. Doesn't that sort of make sense that they would establish that? And I also think one of the lead characters I saw a picture he posted on Instagram, and he was clearly done up as a dwarf, so he's definitely in the first season. Um, so yeah, I think that would make sense. Um, mm. I really hope so because I love I love Moria I love Casa Doom I think the, even the scenes in the Lord of the Rings was amazing so I can't wait to see what they do with it it's gonna be epic Hell, yeah and something that made like me a little bit sad watching uh, the Lord of the Rings films was Gimli was just comedic relief he wasn't really a character with much depth so I think Amazon can sort of right all those wrongs done to dwarves previously. You know, uh, it's weird. Out of all the things in Lord of the Rings, the dwar- I'm not saying I dislike the dwarves. I just find them the least bit. They're just the least interesting uh, race in the in the setting for me. They're almost kind of, and then Tolkien kind of feels that way too because they're there, but they're usually just kind of in the background of everything. They're in the background of the Silmarillion. They're primarily in the background of the Second and Third Age. Uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff focusing on them outside of The Hobbit, which we know was originally conceived as outside of his greater epic set within Arda. So, uh, you know, in a way, I almost feel like dwarves... Now, this is just me. This is just my thought process. Uh, but I just don't see them having a big role in there. But they do essentially a sally forth to attack Sauron's backside when he's in Irador. Mm. So uh, you have to kind of build up that relationship. I just don't know enough and don't think about them enough to really see how they can do that. Uh, right. Aside from, aside from agree, in agreement with you breaking free of the uh, comedic stereotypes that they developed in Lord of the Rings then doubled and tripled down upon in the Hobbit films. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. The dwarves are Tolkien's least well-drawn um, race, really, because they started out as a villainous race in his early writings, and they kind of morphed into something more sympathetic. 
Um, but I think visually, in terms of movies, when people think of Middle Earth, they do think of like elves and hobbits, which we're not going to have, but anyway. And they think of dwarves as well. So they are kind of part of the palette. I like the hobbits in the, the Hobbit. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry to interrupt now, but the final um event that we like I want you guys to have your opinions on is will we be seeing the fall of Numenor in the show? And I and Nikki, so what do you think we'll be seeing the fall of Numenor? Um I I hope so. Like I think it's a pretty vital part of the second uh second age, but I also questioned how they will show because if they're gonna show the fall of Numenor. They're gonna have to bring up the Valar, which is sort of a godlike. Um, they're godlike creatures. Are they gonna be referred to as just gods? Are they gonna be mentioned at all? They're gonna have to be mentioned because that's part of that. That's the reason why they, the Numenor falls. Um, but at the same time, if they don't take, they're either gonna have to take a lot of time establishing who these people are, or they're just gonna establish this lore this mythical thing and then have uh, the warship sail into like the big nothing in a big light and then we'll just hear about it afterwards and Numenor will start sinking so it has to be either or but um, I think it would be best if they are established as just godlike creatures that we don't really see because who who would possibly portray these these characters like they are if they're godlike it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's like Stanley Kubrick once said, you can't show the face of God. And yeah, I completely agree. Showing, showing the Valar in any way be kind of demystifying in a way. So, yeah. yeah was, I think they'll kind of dance around it. Was it uh, Wrath of the Titans where you had uh, <sighs> Liam Neeson and, Liam and Neeson. Golden Glitter yeah, uh, playing Zeus? Oh, it just looks terrible doesn't work at all it's just horrible yeah, showing god i'd like to add if you inter- if you introduce gods to the story but don't really explain everything about them it opens up a whole lot of plot holes sort of like um then they should have know. started with the first age they kind of missed out yeah, the opportunity I, to talk about them when they skipped the whole first age and jumped straight into second age i totally I agree i think I the second age should have been the offshoot i i i had this idea and i'll Dig it up and post a link to it on Reddit. And Chen, I know that you've seen this. Or excuse me, Hen, I'm used to reading your username in my head. Uh, I know you've seen it, but essentially it was a cold open idea in which you saw a wounded and ragged Sauron fleeing from the destruction. Uh, and correct me if I'm uh, Bellarand. I'm sure someone will call me out in the comments. And, and he looks back and he sees this landscape in agony with you know, earthquakes splitting open the land, the sea roaring in, uh, mountains collapsing. And then, of course, Sauron looks at that. He's kind of dressed in dark lord armor. He takes he takes off his helmet, casts it aside. If there was some Morgoth heraldry, which I know is just black, that, he, that we could associate with him, that he's essentially showing as discarding before he looks to the west, and collapses and his spirit bleeds off into the darkness of the east and then later you can explain that cold opening as the gods intervene to defeat the original dark lord but in doing so it seriously broke a continent so 
you know, the elves don't expect the gods to intervene ever again like that. So when Numenor finally is destroyed, it's a shock to all parties involved, you know, because you said this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. The gods can't do that. Well, and all of a sudden they do do that. So yeah. the I mean, whole, it, the it can be done. Thing. You just have to lay the correct foundation ahead of time. The whole fall of Numenor is very tricky to handle, not only because of the gods, but it's. I think you you will have to work pretty hard for people not to have too strong like biblical associations with the deluge and everything. Um, it's a tragic ending, and we don't really see that kind of you know Wagner like, and then everyone died the end type of stories anymore. And so. It's, 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 it's a tricky storyline, which is another reason why I think they'll, you know, wait with it. But it is still quite important. And then that also brings up the, you know, the arguments between the faithful and, and uh, the rest of Numenor and how, and yeah. And so I, th I think it is, it is quite important, but they have to do it right. And on that note, yeah. should we finally go around and everyone should start with Ken? And what event are you most looking forward to seeing in the Amazon Lord Rings TV series? And do you think they should, and how do you think they should go about doing it? Oh, um, the event that I'm most, oh, it, it has lots of levels, it, like on a character level, on visual level. I really think the destruction of, uh, in ordering capital, Austin Adil um, is quite central. And I think you can make a really nice set piece out of that because during the war with Sauron, not only it's not just a warfare, it's also changing changing the landscape because Sauron in, uh, engages in a scorched earth policy and it burns the trees. So you can imagine like flames and things. I think it could look quite good. It's like the fall of Numenor, a kind of like tragic Wagner-like ending of destruction. And it's not the ending, of course. It is kind of nice to see a bit of like tragedy and destruction and everyone dies type thing. We, we don't see that anymore. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm really just kind of looking forward to the kind of um, tableau of... Oh, just seeing the elves in their prime, we haven't seen that. The dwarves in their prime in Moria, seeing a bit of the dwarf kingdom in Erebor at its prime, but like only for a few minutes. The men at their prime, like all these races, it's like this nice little golden age type thing that could really indulge in a little, a little bit so that when it ends, really feel its absence. That could be quite nice. So, Galifane, what do you think yours is? Um, the event that I'm most excited to see. Yeah. Um, I really think it's not like the forging of the ring or anything else. Um, I think it's mostly what Amazon's going to do with. Um, the stuff that they're going to show that wasn't strictly in the book, like I said earlier, there's going to be villagers for sure. So um, I really want to know how they're going to characterize these villagers, whether they are um, the men of Middle-earth or Numenor or whatever. I'm really excited to see how they're going to 
use all of those characters because the men could either be evil, um, they could be sort of victims. And um, something that I was thinking about earlier was the reason we have such a close connection to Frodo, or at least part of the reason in The Lord of the Rings, is that um, part of the reason he's um, going to get the ring to Mordor and throw it in Mount Doom is because of the Shire, because he wants to protect the Shire. So I think maybe if there's a small village or a kingdom or maybe like a Numenorean settlement in Middle-earth and then um, they incorporate one of the men from that village or whatever and then um, that man just tries to protect Numenor or whatever his colony from Sauron because we know that there are going to be villagers and um, I think it would be a pretty good character development if um, he, he was sort of in the same situation that Frodo was in in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that is actually really interesting. And on to um, Penguin Poppins, what's yours? What's me the most, and I'm looking forward to the most, is being outraged at the silly changes that they made and then endlessly arguing about them on Reddit and elsewhere again and again and again. Uh, but no, on all, on all seriousness, uh, you know, I really want to see what they do at the setting because it's by and large a blank slate. You can do a lot with it. Uh, there's not a particular moment that I want to see. Of course, I hope this moment of the forging of the rings is excellent. Uh, uh, I want to see, you know, I expect Celebrimber's death and last stand to be epic. Uh, of course, the Destruction of Numenor should be a CGI spectacle, and there's so many things. I just want to see, I really want to see the difference between the Elvish perspective and the Manish perspective. Elves can take the long road, they can wait, they can wait, they can wait. I mean, we see this in the Third Age with the Watchful Peace when they just, oh, excuse me, uh, this wasn't the Watchful Peace, when they realized this was Sauron and Dol Goldor, and they just waited and waited and waited, whereas the Manish perspective would be, oh crap, it's Sauron, we should go attack him and drive him out now, you know, and just see that difference there and how both perspectives can be right and wrong at the same time. Uh, I really want the elves and men to be different. I really want to see a difference between the Numenorean men and the middle men, because we're actually, I mean, I've said on Reddit that the Numenorians, especially Imperial Numenor, behave like members of the KKK, but if all of their pseudoscience was correct, they are more intelligent, they're longer lived, they're stronger, better, faster, good looking. So seeing that actual kind of difference on screen, I think, yeah, I think it would be controversial, but I think it'd also be very interesting commentary as well. This already shows how much potential this show could have. And finally, on to Nikki, what are you most looking forward to? Um, well, I'm, I agree with everyone here. Um, first of all, um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to just diving into the character arches of the different um, characters of the show and um, seeing how they develop each character and and just just watching them like Sauron and Galadriel and Elrond and and also with Numenor as well how that um how they portray that compared to the elves and compared to the dwarves and this issue that men 
um, have with the immortality of the elves and are they going to be portrayed as bad guys? Are the elves going to be portrayed as good guys? Because they all have good and bad sides. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And also like the visual, just seeing what they do with uh, the movie magic that we have these days and how they actually make it. And I'm hoping, of course, they're going to use CDI, but I'm hoping also they do lean a little bit more towards uh, what they did in The Lord of the Rings, using more extras, using more real life things so that it doesn't feel like we're watching a video game um but i'm it, honestly i'm looking forward to the entire show i'm i'm really excited <laughs> and that is wonderful and hopefully our hopes will be repaid by amazon and now moving on to the news that came out uh, last week i know stuff like other shape probably will be coming out 2021 and then finishing filming by um april time but the main bit is Apparently, as I'll say, this is not confirmed, but it's come from a really reliable source that each season will have its own, well, its own subtitle, basically, and this may lead to potential time jumps. So, Penguin, what do you think about this? You know, I think it's very interesting that they that news because it kind of lends itself to the possibility of doing an anthology uh, type series in that one show tells one story, 10, then, 15 then, the minutes next show, then the next season will tell another story. And the question no. is, do you oh, have please. Are, these time, are there massive time jumps okay, between them? Did. Are these stories that yeah, are mom, taking place simultaneously okay, but don't actually intersect, kind of like... Oh, I don't know. Book three and book four of no, two I'm towers. Not, I'm getting money. So you know they're gonna have a Five lot minutes, of options, and I'm very curious to see because I'm sure you know they've been pretty coy about that because the title of the show will reveal a lot about the setting. And when it comes to marketing, you don't want to give too much marketing away. You want to uh, you you start to market the show when you're ready to promote it because you want to raise awareness so that when it's released everyone is eagerly ready to tune into it because let's face it sure we are the diehards we're starving for information but amazon knows that we're going to be there uh we're going to be there the moment they allow us to stream the first episode we're not the audience they have to attract yeah and that really is interesting coming from i believe a mock to yourself as well so um Galifane, what do you think about this and how each season will have potential subtitles really just interested i've got entirely no clue how it's going to play um although i'm guessing if i'm honest um i think it will definitely revolve around sauron with galadriel uh Celebrimbror, um maybe even Celeborn and what have you um they're going to all be revolving around Sauron, sort of switching off. So one season it'll be Galadriel, the next it'll be um, I'm probably saying this wrong, Arphazon or whatever the uh, Numenorian king was at the time of the sinking of Numenor. Um, so I'm just I've got no clue how it's going to play out, but I sort of do, and that's my guess. I don't think the idea of you know like. Uh subtitles for each uh, season necessarily means that it will be anthological with time jumps like out of the rings each entry has its own subtitle and yet there aren't really any time jumps between the volumes and so it could be that thing it could just be really an aesthetic choice 
It could not be. What I was what I was saying is it's probably going to be a bit of a perspective jump, so it's going to like focus more on the Numenorians and then more on I don't know, Lothlorien or whatever else the focus is going to be. Could be, could be. Oh, of course, we're all taking a sum, taking our own assumptions, and then building, you know, building, uh, building castles and structures on it. When again, we're just starting with assumptions. But that um, is, oh, Nikki, do you have to, if you want to say anything? Yeah, well, um, I agree with you guys. Um, I, I, I have written sort of thoughts on what what the subtitles could be like one of them is the perspective titles like one of each each season has a name that is the character we're going to be following at that time um they could run consecutively like they could run parallel to each other so we'll just see different angles so we'll one one will be sauron one will be galadriel one will be elrond um the other thought i had was maybe it's place name so it's based on cities so we'll have different hubs for every season and then another one is maybe the rings would be like we're following the rings or, or like the, the forging of them or the story of them. Um, the Nazgul's could have potentially and the nine could potentially have their own. I would love to see the backstory there. I would love to see that development and the fall of men um, into darkness. I would love to see that because that is a really fascinating story and it's not really outlined as much in Tolkien's writings um, as far as I could gather um in my studies which aren't that extensive just mostly the books um but that that was my thoughts and then the last one is of course there are time jumps between every time something really interesting happens in um the second age so it could just be that like every major event so they'll jump through it um that way sort of um, not to offend the the diehard fans, they'll be like uh, not including any time jumps in the actual seasons, but using the each season as a time jump, sort of. That that's my thought. Could be, could be. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of not not a huge fan of the idea of time jumps. It's good for completionism, like if you want to get a whole thing. But, uh, like I'm trying to think of another TV show that I've seen done that the extent that this show will have to do if it's going to do the whole of the second age. Well, like, what, what other show has attempted to show a 2000 year conflict? Yeah, exactly. It's very tricky, but I do think like this conflict has two kind of like main timelines. One is the forging of the rings and it's a couple of hundreds of years, but you know, because all the characters are so long lived hundred years in this show would be the equivalent of, know a decade in another show which is feasible then you have a big time jump and then you have the events of the fall of Numenor the last alliance it all happens within less than 200 years so maybe really Amazon's to... solution might be the spin-offs it, could that be a key I solution think, yeah I think that's that's the solution I think the one show without time jumps all about the forging of the rings the war with Sauron Amexas with Sauron's banished from Riador, then a spin-off the fall of Numenor and the last alliance um like two two centers of events but you know could be could I have not. to disagree um I think that's too little um like in television speaking um in theory they could tell that that story 
in one season and they already have five seasons planned if not more with 20 episodes each considering how much storyline game of thrones managed to fit into each episode and eight seasons i think we'll be looking at a bigger perspective and they'll be covering a lot more um of the of the second age sto- uh, like because we have the we have the pinpoints we have the uh the, the stuff that's already written and there's only so much they can invent um they're they are quite limited there, especially with respect to Tolkien and his actual writing. So I think they're going to have to use more of it. Nikki, you're off, you're, you were using kind of older information, the I, I, uh, the information saying, oh, the 20 episodes per season was is pretty old. And we have confirmation now that the first season is going to have eight episodes. Yeah, yeah, I, I so, know that. But there might okay, be okay. 20 uh, after the first season. We don't really know. Maybe we, we don't know, know but... yeah, but I, I'm, I'm generally in favor of, you know, taking your time with stories, and I think, you know, we could, could do yeah. the Forging of the Rings and all of that in five seasons. I don't, it takes, takes a bit of, like... Well, I agree with you 100% with taking your time, but this is television. Um, so from, from their perspective, I think um, they might choose differently, although I would prefer it the way that you're saying. Honestly, I'm, I, I would love them to take all of the time in the world to tell this so I could just drown in Tolkien for the rest of my life. <laughs> but... I, think, I think that, I mean, it's television, yes, but it's the streaming model. And with the streaming model, it's interesting compared to uh, TV. Uh, traditional television says we want to have a show. We want, it, we want 15 to 20 episodes so we can sell advertising. With the streaming model, you're selling subscriptions, so it's very narrative and story driven. So if you think you need eight episodes to tell your story, great. If you need to have ten, okay, you make a case for that. You don't need to have, you don't need to stretch out your story over the course of fifteen to twenty-five or how many ungodly episodes as possible to sell advertising space. So I don't think. They're gonna. I don't think it's gonna go that long for season. Uh, you know, how many shows have you ever watched where you sure there's an overarching narrative, but you realize that the show, the episode you just watched, is filler. It has no impact on the greater narrative of the season. I personally hate that kind of show. And uh, you know, I if they try to stretch this out with 20 episodes per season, you're gonna get a lot of that, and I'm gonna hate it. So I think they're more likely gonna keep it tight focused narrative, you know, any, uh, there's going to be an overarching narrative from season to season, as well as narratives <laughs> per season, as well as narratives for each episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think, you know, there's a lot that we can do, and we're really just speculating here, because we know nothing. Uh, I see your point, though. I do, definitely. Yeah, because that's why we're here and doing this podcast, because People have different opinions, but of course, as Penguin rightly said, we do not know what Amazon is actually going to do. And Gallif, any fun that I didn't think anyone else wants to add anything? Anything? I would. Um, rewinding a little bit, y'all were talking about time jumps, and I'm really with y'all. I don't think they should have time jumps. Um, somewhat recently, I watched a TV show, and it had a fantastic plot and everything like that. Um, it had good graphics as well, but... They didn't really develop the characters well, and so I just didn't like the movie whatsoever. So I think with Amazon, 
the big issue with time jumps is that it's really hard to develop a character. Then at the end of that season, after just eight episodes or whatever, um, to just sort of put that character in the back and then introduce a new character every single season for, what, five seasons? It's sort of going to make... Um, it'll keep a really good Tolkien plot, but it'll just sort of hinder the character development with time jumps. Yeah, I agree on that. I love character development. It's one of the most important things in a TV show. And that's why I think Amazon should focus on Anatar as the main, obviously not hero, the main antagonist of the story. And I think he should be the main character because he's the one the one character that's present throughout the entire Second Age. Well, because if minutes. you take him out of the Second Age, then you just have nothing, really, nothing. Well, do you uh, think... Pretty- he drive. He pretty much does drive the narrative. But the one thing I like about the idea of time jumps is we know that the Numenorean jealousy of the elves and their immortality is one of the. It's basically one of the driving factors of their fall, and I just have this idea in my head of a, you know, say you know for example throughout young Prince Alderion meeting Gilgalad or Elrond, then later. Uh, aging and you know seasoned Alderion meets those same two characters and of course the elves are exactly the same and then you see him and he's now old and you can just see that reaction going on the thought process that would be cool yeah i mean that's why i'd want to have how else can you show that cultural feel that cultural jealousy that develops with that you know your other option is just telling it oh they're jealous of the elves and we all know that yeah, they'd have to show world. it to make yeah. it interesting. They'd have to show it. But can I just throw one one thing in? Um, a thought that I just had with um Sauron being the main antagonist, like I sort of feel like Elrond would be one of the main heroes just because he's he's there at the start and then he's there at the end when they throw with the ring in. He's yelling at Isildur to put it in. He's he's there during the whole thing. So maybe they would play these two characters up against each other, and everyone else will just be. They'll be main characters, but they'll be around. Yeah. Um, I agree. So, yeah. unless anyone has anything to add, I do actually something very. I don't think you need necessarily big time jumps to get across the idea of the immortality of the elves, as opposed to the long-lived mortality of the Numenorians, because like. The story of the forging and the war takes easily, um, what is it, 200 years, I think? It is, it's 200 years, which isn't a ton in terms of Numenorean longevity, but it does mean that, like, the queen, the Numenorean queen at that, I think, progressively age, and I think she, she dies, and, like, there's a succession that's going on there somewhere along their line. So even within the time frame of a single event, it's long enough. You can still convey that message about Numenorean mortality still. So, oh, B. These are lots of things for Amazon to consider. And and I'd like to really thank Nicole, Nicolene Bangan, um, Talking Tube, a.k.a. Galafane, and of course, Ken and Mr. Penguin Poppins for joining me on today's video. Thank you, guys. It's been a really good discussion. No worries. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. And 
Anything in the comments below if you want to see more videos slash podcasts, videos like this, please let me know. But thank you guys for watching. I really appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, and to the next video, my friends. Goodbye.